0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Giving and all those things that were said concerning it, so true. You'll never forget when someone gave into your life. I know I haven't. Whenever, uh, whether it be monetarily or any type of investment, you remember when people invest in you. Um, And so just know that whenever you invest in others, that makes an indelible impression upon them as well. Something that they'll never forget. Never forget. Genesis chapter number two, I'll, I'll begin reading in verse number 16. Verse number 16. Had the opportunity this past week to hang out with a bunch of pastors of various ages and stages of church life. Had a few home missionary pastors that was there and felt encouraged by them, the work that they're starting. And I asked one of them, so what's your greatest challenge right now? So there's no church challenge, just the challenge of having left an established church and starting a church and with children and I could identify with that. Of Whenever we started in Kingsburg with just a handful of people, maybe around 15 and five of them was our own family. We cried every service as kids. We cried every time we went to church. And that's my dad. He's trying to have the mind of God for the service. And there's kids back there (laughs) wishing we were going to that church that was established, that was a part of thicker youth group, so on and so forth. And so I was able just to identify with a home missionary over their kids and what they were experiencing and feeling. Amen. Because it had been there, had been that kid, had been that kid. Genesis chapter number two, I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely die. We are continuing from last week about the doctrine of freedom. Continuing with that this week, the doctrine of freedom. A member of the Zach and Sister Melinda out here doing a thank them for taking care of Wednesday. And they were kind of all along with Brother Malone and stuff were expressing to us uh, that they just kind of felt like, They were left unsupervised because I guess you know Bishop ended up not being here and then Brother Mason was gone, I was gone, and and so uh, everything I guess though went well. You're all still here, the ceiling's still there, and you know everything. So uh, we're thankful for them and their their willingness to step in in our absence. I want to again talk to you about the principle or the doctrine rather of freedom this morning Amen as we continue our lesson here from the book of Genesis Father we come to you today we're grateful Lord Jesus for the spirit of the Lord that we have felt God the songs, the anointing God the Lord permeated this place and touched our own hearts and minds our our spirit bear witness with your spirit Lord Jesus in this place today. God we're grateful Lord for that. God being able to experience that god we give you glory and honor and praise jesus for what you'll do lord through the teaching of your word in the lovely name of the lord jesus christ that i pray amen of the church say amen amen Amen. you may be seated please also continue to remember that if you're going to camp sign the camp list on the bulletin board if you are going or done registration I made a few statements maybe last week or even maybe weeks before that. Whenever we talk about freedom, whenever we talk about liberty, and we talk about some of the things that the Lord um, expects of us or requires of us in those regards that really... It's according what side of the fence that you're sitting on or uh, positionally where you are concerning what your perspective will be concerning those things that he asks of you. Some people see some of those things as constraints or restraints, uh, things that are prohibiting uh, their living their life, prohibiting what they can do. But then there's others that call those same things not something that is prohibiting them, but they see it as things that are protecting them. And so it really, it really depends upon where you are positionally as an individual about what your perspective will be concerning those things the Lord sets up in our life. But I believe that true liberty and true freedom comes with, from my perspective, comes with protection, protection. Adam, again, is told in the book of Genesis that they could freely eat. Freely eat of every tree of the garden that was in Eden. That is, that is liberty. That is freedom. They could freely eat of every tree of the garden. He could not eat, however, according to the word of the Lord, that he could not eat in verse number 17 of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right away we're like, oh, freely eat, but wait a minute. You're, you're, you're keeping us from having this particular tree. You're allowing everything but. You know there's a little except. You know in all of this. That, that I feel kind of prohibited. I feel kind of restrained. Whenever you say every but. But then we must continue with the scripture. Because the scripture very quickly relates to us the why. The why behind how it can be every tree except this one. And the why is simply this. He could not eat of that particular tree of knowledge of good and evil because the Bible says in the day that he would, he would die. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a whole lot like protection. Or, I mean, if you're going to be fanatical, I guess, well, he's prohibiting me from dying. Still, that sounds a whole lot like Protection. And so we, we sometimes, here's the thing uh, concerning the Lord and the things that come into our lives, our Christian lives sometimes. There are times we know the why behind the things that the Lord requires of us. And there's other times we don't know the why. And so in those moments, we got to trust the who. We got to trust him knowing who he is. What type of good, good father he is. Knowing that he has our best interests in mind and he's just not keeping us from things for the purpose of being mean or insensitive or just keeping us for keeping us. But he's probably keeping us because he's protecting us. He's probably keeping us because he has the best in mind for us. So those times in our life that the why maybe is never explained or perhaps never known, we must rely upon what we do know and our relationship with the Lord, knowing how the Bible describes him, that he is long-suffering and that his mercy endures forever, right? Right? And and that he died for us while we were yet sinners. And so when you get all these different colorings of who the Lord is and how he is, then that can give us a better, better understanding off of some of the things that it requires of us that we wouldn't have a jaded view or, or misconstrued view, but it's all kept in the confines of his character and who he is. If he's a long-suffering, he's probably doing this, for my, he's doing this for my good. He's not just trying to keep me from enjoying something, right? I said he probably said not that tree because it has the best tasting fruit and that's the re-. And our mind sometimes is our enemy and it plays all types of different dialogues about the reasons or what for so on and so forth when in reality they're really not true. There's no truth founded in them at all. Amen. And so he's keeping us because he's doing that. He's keeping us. He's protecting us. And so when I don't know the details of why, again, I lean on my understanding of the practices that I know that he does. And it is oftentimes for my protection. And so Adam could freely eat with protection Right? He could freely eat of every tree except so he could freely eat with protection or he could not eat at all without protection. Because in reality, whenever the Bible tells us in chapter 3 that upon their transgression that the Lord set them outside of the Garden of Eden and he put... Cherubim there with flaming swords to guard the way of the Garden of Eden. When we come to that, we really understand that Adam and Eve being banned from the Garden of Eden wasn't just a direct consequence of having transgressed or a direct consequence of having taken of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, but we come to realize that it was another level of protection that the Lord was affording both Adam and Eve after their mistake. The Bible says in Genesis 3, the next chapter, in verse number 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was Taken. Look at verse twenty-four. So he drove out the man. Now, if you just you're know, like cherry picking in scripture, just take a phrase and don't read in the context. God drove out man. Whoa. What a belligerent God! You know what I'm saying? He's being he's being insensitive, right? So he drove out the man, and he placed and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Some even conjecture, and I guess we'll never know, but that if man had ate of the tree of life after having eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and had sinned and had transgressed and had made that that, that mistake, some conjecture that he would lived then, if he partook of the tree of life after that, he would have lived eternally in a fallen state, eternally in a sinful state. Nonetheless, if that's the reason or not, nonetheless, the Lord sets them outside the garden to keep the way of the tree of life, to safeguard them from something happening evidently that he didn't want to happen in their life, So he removed them first from the garden, amen, altogether for, I believe, their protection. Now, there are some things in this life that we, we perceive to be, Prohibitions or prohibiting to us that God again has stationed there for our protection. We see it as God limiting us. We see it as God trying to put us in a box when in reality they are nothing more but a provision for our protection. Let's, let's consider something very practical, not church related necessarily, something very practical that a lot of people see as irritating get in your car, you sit down, you turn on the engine and you're supposed to put on that seat belt. Some people just hate them, right? My mom's so short that it comes to her neck and it rubs and they've got those little things you wrap around seat belts and make it a little bit better. She's just short. That's her problem, <laughs> but they see them as irritating. I hate this thing, right? I hate it. It, it keeps me from being comfortable in my seat. Right, keeps me. I just can't, you know, move around just right because on a road trip it's hard to get comfortable with that seatbelt on. Cumbersome, rubs my neck. Mom complains. But whenever they made legislation and they spoke to auto automobile makers and for wearing seatbelts within our states and across our country, they, I guarantee you, weren't sitting down thinking. What can we do to society to make them uncomfortable while they're on long trips? And the little light bulb appeared above me and said, ha, 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 I know what we can do. We'll make them wear seatbelts. No. They, 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 what the, their, their mindset, their objective was not how restrictive can we make it so it will limit their mobility during normal travel. That, that was not their mind frame, right? That's not what their mind frame was at all. Amen. They wanted to think, how can we make it? How can we make it as comfortable as possible without compromising its functionality? And while compromising its purpose, a protection in the event that they need it. Amen. Their main concern was to provide for the travelers of America. A means of protection for us in the event of an accident. Now, you can get in your car and you can go without it. If you believe they're just trying to prohibit your movement, I'm not going to let the government tell me what to do and not move. I'm not going to wear that thing. You, you, could, you could get in your car and you can go without it. But let something arise in your life of going 75 miles per hour. And a sudden impact happened. And guess what? you're going to move a whole lot more and further than if you had your seatbelt on. You may even lose your life. All because they're restricting me, someone says, and another one's perspective is they're protecting me. I've never been in an accident, Brother McGee. Well, you'll always have a first time. Now, if you can take that analogy and apply it to church life, that rubs my neck, so to speak. Yeah. Glory. That preacher and God's word are not conveying those things to make you uncomfortable, to be irritating to try to restrict you in every little aspect of your life, but they are there that in the event that something blindsides or come about, there is protection already in place. It could save your spiritual life. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew 18, common Passage of scripture, and I'll I'll be mindful time. I know we had worship, and I'll I'll try to, and listen, I really will. I know last Sunday night was long. Someone's still eating off of that. They said, we didn't have to worry. (laughs) We had stuff to eat all week, you know. It took so Matthew 18 and verse number 8. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot, everybody say offend. Offend thee, cut them off. Cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt, or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if I, I, everybody say offend. Offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. I emphasize the word offend or offense in both of these verses because the words offend or offense here in the New Testament stems all the way back to a Greek root word, which basically means this, to bend or to bow. They, they stem all the way back to a root word that means to bend or to bow. In other words, the idea that is being conveyed is this. If it causes you to bend and it causes you to bow, if it causes you to surrender, basically, because, right, the, the three Hebrew boys, when the music is being played, what is their word? We will not, what, what was he wanting them to do? Bow says we will not bow. Why? that that was an offense. We will not bow. We we look we look at Daniel and the Bible says he's of course brought in to Babylonian captivity along with with, with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego uh, and and the Bible says that he's going to be able to eat of the king's meats the dainties of the king's meats so on and so forth and 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 the Bible says though whenever he speaks to the servant. That's in the house of Nebuchadnezzar. He asked of him if they can just have pulse and they can have water. Prove us ten days, he says. And the Bible says something in particular. The Bible says that Daniel determined in his heart not to eat of the king's meat. Which basically means this. He made up his mind before his mind needed to be made up. He made up his mind before his mind needed to be made up. It's not as though this was presented to him, and he's like, well, could you give me 30 minutes to think about this? And No, 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 no. He had an answer before an answer was needed. Amen. He had already decided there's no bending. There's no bowing. Amen. Concerning the things of the Lord. And so we can, the, 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 we can do without those things that we got to bend or bow, so to speak, too. Amen. It's better to live our life without them, as the Scripture says, in order to have them and according to the word, to be cast into hellfire with. It'd be like, I didn't forfeit a thing. Yeah, but the destiny isn't all that grand. <laughs> you know what? I didn't, I didn't wear a seatbelt. No, but you broke almost every bone in your body. And you're going to be in the hospital for nine months. And rehabilitation, you may get some of your mobility back, but maybe not. You might be confined to a wheelchair. God bless you. Well, <laughs> Ruth chapter number two, Ruth chapter number two and verse number eight. The Bible says, and you're going to have to use your fingers to walk through your pages of scripture and listen to me and trust me with it. If not, look at Ruth, Ruth two and verse number eight, then said Boaz unto Ruth. Now, remember, Ruth went to find a field to in. glean in, so happens that it was Boaz's field, which was related to Naomi. I mean, of all fields that she picked, she picked a field that was related to Naomi. But that's the way that this was ordained. And the Bible says, then Boaz said unto Ruth, she had been gleaning in there with, her ser- with the servants. And he shows up. Hearest thou not my daughter? Hearest thou not my daughter? He's speaking to her. He says, go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Verse 9. Let thine eyes, Ruth, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go thou after them because the maidens are reaping. He says, you, 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 let your eyes be on the field that they reap. You follow after them, be with them. Have not, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which young men have drawn. And so he's given her some instruction. You, you came here today to my field to glean. I'm telling you, don't, tomorrow don't go to another field. Come on right back here. Yoke up with my maidens. Keep your eyes on this field. Glean where they glean. And you can have drink and refreshment here. I've commend, I've commanded my young men that work in the field here not to lay a finger on you, not to touch you. What and to A little culture, a little background kind of gives a, a, a more importance to what's being said here. In these days, fields and lands of that that notion, fields in particular, it's not like they had fences that ran between Bob's field and Joe's field. All right? They didn't have fences. They didn't necessarily even have hedges for that matter that divided up whose field was what field. So it'd been very easy for Ruth to roam from Boaz's field often to another field because there wasn't no, if you will, uh, visible Fence or visible line that was there. And so she might find herself among strangers uh, if she didn't watch it, who may not be for her best interest and may not have the same protection if she was in another's field. So if Ruth was going to do as Boaz said and gain the blessing and the reward from gleaning in his field he told her that she needed to keep her eyes focused on this field lest she looked at other fields and would go somewhere else in, in, in my scripture reading I I've, of course you know by and by you come across scriptures I came across scripture the other day about lamentations 351 it said my eye affected my heart because the Bible teaches about our eye being the gate of our whole being that if you look and you see light, your whole body will be filled with light or darkness, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Well, the, 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 the gist of the story is that Ruth found protection in Boaz's field. He charged and let her know, I've charged my young men not to touch you. And that's not just talking about tapping her shoulder or hitting her on the back of the head. He's talking about being sexually impure with her. I've charged my young men not to touch you. Again, that might seem, well, Big deal. Well, in the book of Deuteronomy, again, culturally, women were in great dangers when they went gleaning in fields. It speaks in Deuteronomy how a woman had oftentimes been found crying out and none would be able to hear her and she was being taken advantage of sexually in Fields, So it wasn't uncommon. That was a common thing that happened within the fields for a woman to be taken taken advantage of, a man within a field. And so Boaz is letting Ruth know, I've already commanded these young men. They are not to touch you. They're not going to harm you. And so I'm instructing you, keep your eyes on this field. Follow these maidens. They're, these maidens come to my field all the time. These maidens, if you will, are employed by me. They are familiar with the field. They know where it crosses from my field to another's field. They work this field. They've been a part of this field for years. So keep your company with them. Because if you do that, they've been here for years. They know my field. They know the boundaries without them even being visible. And if you'll keep company, if you'll keep company with them, you won't worry about have to worry about a misstep into another's field. Because they know. Folks, we need to be able to get to a place, you know, in the life of the church that's like brother and sister so-and-so, they've been around here for X number of years. They've served God for X number of years. They know the field. They know where the boundaries are, whether seen or unseen. And if you'll just keep company with them. That's the reason why connections in church is so important. Connections for new people in church with people that's established in the church are so important. Because they know where the field of the Lord is and where it transitions over into another field. Amen. And that's why it's so important. It brings protection. It brings safety. Amen. For those that are less familiar with the field. Amen. And so Boaz has, has faith in his reapers, has faith in these maidens, that they will not lead Ruth astray. Amen. They will not lead her astray. And so within the church, uh, you say, well, I'm not a teacher. You are. I don't teach a Sunday school class. No, but you're still a teacher. You don't have to teach a Sunday school class, a young adult class, or any other type of class. You're a teacher by the life that you live. You're 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 you are a parent, so to speak. You 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 are helping train others and lead others. Amen. And and, and many times. We, we need to explain how this precious gift, how the precious field even came to Boaz. Sometimes it's important to know, amen, uh, whenever you're talking about boundaries, even in your child's life or even within the life of church, it's important to know how those things came to be. The old saying is this, don't ever tear down a fence if you don't know why it was put there in the first place. In your generation, it's like, that is the stupidest thing to have a fence right there in the generation that it was built they had a purpose that that was put there. And the only reason why it doesn't make sense to you is because you don't have to deal with what they dealt with without the fence. But if you were to tear it down you're going to start dealing with what the generation before you dealt with because now there's not a fence there. Amen. And so don't tear something down if you don't know why it was placed there. If the boundary or if the such was placed there, was placed there with purpose and intent again, because we're not just doing that for the purpose of being restrictive or God or his word. He's doing it for protection. He's doing it for protection. You know, uh, sometimes I know over, you know, children got to learn as they grow up. And you ever become aggravated at your children as they was growing up? By the way, that they treated certain things that you gave them or certain things that they have, certain things that you bought for them. And you're aggravated because, Brother Trout, you know the money you invested for that. They're oblivious, they don't go to work, they don't have a job. Right? Huh? You know, they took whatever it is and they're banging it on the concrete, and you're like, huh. You know, this was pristine when I get, and they're doing all these things, and so they they, they mistreat it. And they do that in part because they don't understand how valuable or how much something costs to get it to them. But you make them earn a little money, make them go work, earn some money, invest their own time and invest their own money and purchase an item, all right? And now they care for that they respect that a little bit more than what you gave them because they got something invested there. And it's valuable to them. Amen. Someone say amen. Now understand, I know the Bible talks about how the gift, it is a gift of God, right? We are saved. Amen. By grace through faith, it is the gift of God. And God's not going to make us earn his precious gift of the Holy Ghost. But I do believe, as Christians, we need to understand what he had to go through in order to make that accessible to us. Huh? Understand the value and the cost of the gift so that we won't be haphazard with it or mistreat it Someone understanding what I'm saying right now? Amen. And so the reason why our our, our freedom comes with protection or the doctrine of freedom is with protection is because our liberty, our freedom in Christ is of great worth. It is of great value. It is very meaningful. And in order to safeguard that meaningful, priceless freedom and liberty that God has given to us, there must be lines of protection for it, and there are no there are no guides, there are no uh, uh, protection or restraints or constraints, if you will, if the thing that you possess has no value. What I'm saying, there's some people in you know right out in the front yard or in the backyard, just easily accessible. They leave certain things of their life. You know what I'm saying. Sometimes I'm over. I'm like, I, I can't believe they're just leaving that out there. It's dark. Not anybody could just sweep by and grab it. Well, to them, that, that's not valued very much to them. Not valued very much. Things that we value, what do you do? You put it in an area. Maybe it's not going to be in the inclement weather. You put it under lock and key. Huh? Why? Because you value that. It has value to you. Now things that are just out there, willy-nilly, and anybody could, oh, I have to take it no big deal. That you, that, that's no value to you. It's really no value. You own it, but it's no value to you. Amen. And so the things that we protect are the things that we value. No need to protect something that has no value. So the things that the Lord builds his perimeters and what we, from whatever position we're at, restraints and prohibit, prohibits around, we're like, eh, he's just a hard taskmaster, God. Well, maybe he has value in what he's protecting. You say, well, why is he asking this of me? Maybe he values you. I know it's a far, you know, out in the wilderness idea, really, woohoo! Maybe God values you. Here's the thing. God values some of us more than we value ourselves. That is the condition of many that come to the Lord. They would do anything with their life because they don't think they're worth much. They would abuse these bodies in these temples. Yeah. With things that they ingest. And I'm not just talking about food, addicts. They do what they do because they don't really value their lives. They have no sense of value. They've been told by parents and grandparents that they're stupid and they're ugly and they'll never be worth anything. They've carried that into adulthood and they're going to do whatever they want to with their life because they don't value their life. But then you come to the Lord and he starts setting things in order and place. And one, one person saying, oh, I can't believe he's restraining me. No, he's valuing you. You've never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. he's putting up things of protection to safeguard some things. i got to hurry up here. Here I am and dragging my feet. God blessing Jesus. Amen. So there's, you know, some things be taking your life, no great loss, but there's other things. If you lost them, you'd be like, I'm going to call the authorities. That was under lock and key. Someone had to break entry in order to get that. Amen. So here's the thing. Value is not derived from the object, whatever it may be. You know. Bible phone, it's not derived from the object it's derived from the one who has possession of the object. You know, people go out and say, well, I have uh, X number year card this year. O, and it's like it's worth blah, blah, blah. It's only worth that to someone that would deem it's worth that to me. I might walk by that and say, I would never pay that much money for that. Why? Because the value isn't contained in the object itself. It's the one who wishes, desires, or owns the object that the value comes from. And so God, understanding the legitimacy of our freedom and of our liberty, has, yes, provided some safeguards and protections because it is valuable unto the Lord. Amen. And whenever the adversary leaves uh, uh, our lifestyles uh, totally unguarded and without protection, You think, well, you know, I don't have this whenever I'm in the world. (laughs) I don't know how I can do this. You know, a house that is totally broken down on the street, no repairs being made on the outside, grass growing up and all that, what that really says, it says something about the value of the owner of the house. It says whether or not they value the place where they live. If you have nothing as far as boundaries in your life and the world, like, I don't have to worry about all that stuff in the world, that should really say something about the one who owns you. I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about your adversary. If you're not a servant of the Lord, you're a servant of the world. If there is nothing there with any safeguards, then you you thought, you thought he loved you. You thought he really wanted you, but he's leaving you just totally to yourself, unprotected amen it says something whenever we can just live our lives unguarded unprotected we must not mean very much to our owner but whenever I see that God's interested in those things as a contrast to where I was in the world that God is interested in those things then he must be a God amen one that is interested and values me as an individual amen I don't mean much to the enemy I'm just collateral damage no big deal But I mean something to God and his desires of relationship with me. Nehemiah chapter number 2, let's run, I'm sorry. Nehemiah 2 and verse number 17. And the Bible says, then said I unto them. You see the distress that we are in? Nehemiah wanting to rebuild Jerusalem. How Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire come. And let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Nehemiah, he sees Jerusalem. Jerusalem was destroyed. The walls were destroyed. The the gates, it was burned to a fire. And it's been like that for some time. And he's really liking to see this change. And he's wanting to go there and rebuild the walls and put gates back up. Amen. And all these things to function appropriately. And so something we got to start thinking about. Here's Jerusalem. It's affected. But now there's walls and there's gates about Jerusalem. Now, walls and gates. Walls and gates. Protection right it's not wall around a zoo right we're not trying to keep the animals in we're trying to keep things out that might come in amen So we got to understand that in ancient cities, walls and gates serve several functions of safety and protection. Walls were that first level of defense for the city. Yes, they were a visible evidence of defense, a visible evidence of a boundary and perimeter. And then within the walls, right, within the walls around about Jerusalem, there are gates. Note this, the walls are not any stronger than the gates that's in the wall. Huh? the walls are not any they do not serve their, 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 their uh, they do not serve their purpose of protection any more than the condition of the gates that are in the wall because gates are ways into the city and gates are ways out of the city gates control what comes in gates control what go out friends are permitted through the gates of the city foes are kept out by the gates of the city And when your gates are not working properly. When the gates in your life are not working properly. The wrong people keep getting in your life. The wrong people keep getting in your life. Also when they are not working. Well I got walls. Yeah but what about the gates? What do you open and close your city to? Because if you just always leave the gate open. Who cares you have a five-foot-thick wall? It's like I have, I have a, a beautiful house. I got an ADT system, and I leave my doors unlocked and never turn my alarm on. Well, you know what? You might as well not have ADT, and you might as well not have locks on your doors. So the devil sometimes has free access into our life. Because of what we're doing with the gates of our life. Let me tell you something. You need to feel free to shut the gate. I'm empowering you this morning to feel free to shut the gate sometimes. Not just anything and everything needs to be able to walk into your life. You become a protector by how you operate the gate in your life. Nehemiah said, we're going to rebuild the walls, but we're going to rebuild the gates as well. And so your walls will only be as strong as your gates. Amen. As strong as your allowances, as strong as your convictions, Hmm. as strong as your personal precepts in your life. See, the rebellious is going to look at the wall and say, well, it keeps me from doing or it keeps me from going or it keeps me, you know, wall so tall, it keeps me from seeing such and such. But a healthy view of the wall is that it keeps harm and destruction from getting to me. I'm strong, Brother McGee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. But all of us have a blind side. I know still yet today, you know, we got these great new, you know, vehicles. And they'll flash lights on your mirror when something's in your blind side. And you got cameras, you all this stuff. Guess what? Stuff still happens. Because every vehicle, every individual, to a certain degree, every one of us has a blind side. That something enters in that we're not, we don't pick up on, we're not aware of until, there it is. Amen. Someone say amen. So, Brother Trout, if you get in your car whenever you leave today and you click that seatbelt with the understanding that its true motive is for the purpose of protecting you, I almost guarantee that you can bear the times that you move forward a little bit and that ratchet sound happens and it gets tight and you got to undo it and do it again. You'll, you'll, You'll bear with that. Why? Because you know what its true purpose is. That's the reason why mom gets the little furry thing to put on it because it rubs her neck. Why you do that? Because I can deal with this. Because I know what the alternative of not having it can be. Amen, amen. Safeguarding us, but just—I know this is real practical. It's okay. And and some seatbelts are worse than others. Like a movement, it's like right, and like tightens up. You're like, all right, silly thing, you know, so on and so forth. But it did that because your movement, it interpreted as a threat, and so it reacted accordingly and tightened up your movement, and interpret it as a threat. We pawn it off. It's malfunctioning. We pawn it off as it's silly, but it's designed to engage in the moment of a threat. Something unforeseen. Now, we're thankful, aren't we, this morning? You can stand with me. I'll try to shut up. We're thankful for the Lord's protection. Listen to me see very clearly here in the final words. I know dinner's coming. We're thankful for the Lord's protection. As long as what we perceive we're being protected from is a threat to us. We're thankful for it. As long as what we perceive it is protecting us from is a threat. However, let us assume whatever it is, isn't a threat. No big deal. Hmm. Now, the protection that he provides Seems like he's keeping me from doing something because you don't see the threat. You you see it as innocent. You know how many people allowed innocent things? Innocent in its infancy, sister, innocent things that then became the roaring lions in their life. So we just trust the one, we just trust the one that we serve, that if he sees danger involved, I'm going to give myself to it. Brother Mike, Mike, you go out on the boat all the time, you go fishing and such, you got, you know, by law you're supposed to have life jackets on your boat, right? You know, a life jacket, is it any less protective on an individual whose life it saved from drowning in water? to one who wasn't afraid of the threat of drowning in water. It's not any less protective on one who had saved or the one that was still sitting on the boat. It's not any less protective. The person that sues the automaker in a crash, and there are stories of it because the seatbelt was so constraining, it caused severe bruising. Listen across their chest or upon their legs. Right? And God, please forgive me. But that idiot missed the point. You have bruises because it kept you in the seat. If you didn't, you might have taken flight of man through the windshield with the vehicle on top of you. You want, you want to sue Do our fist in the air sometimes to God. That's what I think of it, Lord. That's what I think of this precept. That's what I think of this principle (laughs) on it all. That's all right. God help us. That's all right. True freedom, liberty comes with protection. Whether you see it as protection or a restraint is all based upon your perspective. Of where you are. The way way that you view those things reveal a lot. Hear me, and I'm closing. The way that we view those things, one way or the other, reveal a lot about our relationship with God. Do you see it as, oh, he's prohibiting me, or do you see it as he's, thank God, he's protecting me. Whether you see the threat, don't see the threat. Realize it or don't. He's protecting me. That's the doctrine of True freedom and true liberty in Christ Jesus. Don't know the why. Sometimes seems like I can't find it, but I trust the who because I know Him. I know what He's like. I know His character. He has my best interest in mind. If we bow our heads across this place today, Father. I come to you this morning. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for those things that you place in my life. God, walls and gates and boundaries and perimeters. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, in order to safeguard and protect God and Lord to keep close God because you deem us valuable, Lord, in your sight and your eyes. God, some, Lord, don't have any self-worth. Some, Lord, God, feel worthless, Jesus, and so they will, Lord, just squander their life in every direction, God, without any care because there is no sense of worth, but God, you come into our lives and you see us, Lord, as worthy of being saved, worthy of being, Lord, snatched from the depths and set up on a rock to stay. I pray, oh Lord, today, help us to fall in love with you, to fall in love in a relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to have a perspective, Lord, of your protection and your safeguarding us and particularly our relationship with you, God, so that there would be no wedge or schism or anything that would betray that or to change that God you're safeguarding that because you love this relationship with us help me God to have that type of behavior that type of attitude that type of perspective I pray oh God in life Lord Jesus just to want to protect and Lord hone and make better my relationship with the Lord and knowing that he's doing it for my good in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray amen the church say amen amen come back tonight church at 6 don't forget the announcements that we've had here this afternoon. Amen. And you're, you're dismissed in Jesus' name this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.